the future of photography. Hey everybody and welcome to the future of photography. Uh, my name is Adrian and I am uh, one of three of your favourite podcast hosts who's managed to be available for this evening. Sadly, sadly, we are missing Chris this week because uh, he is super, super busy. Uh, but we have Eva. How are you doing, Eva? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm a uh, pretty chaotic day, but I, I you know, podcasting is a, the fun part of my day today. And so I'm going to use this as a thing to sort of gradually slide off that raggedy Wind edge down. I've been working on yeah. today. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. How about you, Jeremiah? How are you? Uh, I'm just beginning to slide into my raggedy day. It's uh, <laughs> mid-morning here, and I've got a enormous uh, amount of work to do today. But uh, I thought um, I'll take a little respite and do this and uh, just start to exercise the brain somewhat. Much different tone going on to last week when when the last when we recorded last. Yeah, though I, so. we feel here we're still in an interregnum. Um, mm. it's, it's still uneasy. We are hopeful mm. and we are mm. happy, uh, uh, but we're balanced by, uh, an increasing amount of, uh, COVID-19 and, and, uh, mm. all the rest of the world shares in, in that to a certain mm. extent, but mm. here, uh, we have to deal with the ludicrous, um, so tough yeah <laughs> anyway any anyway anyway on that, happy note. <laughs> yeah, on, on that happy note on with the show uh and a show and a conversation this week that Ema has prepared for us thank you very much Ema. i have been so busy i haven't had the chance <laughs> to look at it so over to you well, this is something that we kind of talked about at the end of last week's show. I don't remember if it was during the point where we were recording or if it was afterwards, but um, the aesthetic versus technical perfection was something that was in my mind to have a look at. So when I started to dig, um, I found this um, video, which was um, made by the co-founder of this platform called I am, which a lot of people might have heard of. I've heard of it before. In my mind, it was like Instagram by another name, um, but actually it's not. And um, in uh, true TFOP fashion, <laughs> um, and you're going to love this because um, you all love the tech, um, they've been using AI in a really clever way and different way, I think, to interpret beauty. Yeah. So, this is um, the jumping off point for this was this lecture that I watched. Um, it's called Image Intelligence Aesthetics. And it's this guy, um, the co-founder of IM, talking about uh, their AI engine and how they've been using it uh, to help photographers to share and sell their imagery. So they partner up with a lot of stock photography um, agencies. And it kind of in their minds, they think stock photography is kind of broken. And if you think about it, they're kind of right, because if you think of stock images, they do all have a kind of a certain look uh, a lot of times. So I think their idea is to just broaden out that the aesthetic of that itself and then by default to allow photographers who mightn't have a, a, you know terribly high profile or um say companies even um, would tend to hire the same people over and over again and then by default other people just don't get a chance or a look in so 
this is really super interesting in that they've what they've started well after rigorous testing um they figured out that um, when they used classical kind of uh, rules and parameters like um, the rule of thirds or, you know, the golden ratio, all these things to um, select photos and that they input those into their machine and told it to look for these things, that what what came to the top were essentially collections of beautiful but boring images and that they realised that this wasn't really going to work or do what they wanted it to do. So they broadened it out and they started to look at things like visual salience, which I've become a little bit obsessed with since I, because I didn't really. <laughs> and just, you know. I never heard f- that term. No, I never have Neither actually. Neither did I. Oh. He mentioned it at the end and it's really, he described it as like love at first sight in a way that it's like before you you glance at something before you've even seen the details, your brain decides if it's visually pleasing to you or not. So there's certain points within an image that your eye will be drawn to or the way your eye moves around things. There are certain points that it'll pick up on. It's really, really fascinating. Um, Way over my head in many ways, but (laughs) I want to know more about it. And I I just, in terms of like, the future of photography what happens when the AI really starts to understand that like I I don't know as much about AI even as you guys but I'm kind of learning as I go along here so I know that like a machine only knows what you, you tell it what to see or you know you tell it what to look for so the way he put it across was that like if an AI knows dogs um, as are, you know, animals and it knows dogs, but it doesn't know a cat, that if, if you show it a thousand pictures of a, of a dog and one picture of a cat, that it will come back and tell you that's a dog and it'll be 100% certain that it's a dog, but it's never seen a cat. So like if, if they start telling it things like... Um, Another way he put it was like that, you know, if you look for if you take a picture of an underexposed table, it looks terrible um, and it needs to be correctly lit. But if an underexposed picture of a person like a portrait can be really gorgeous. So if you're telling the computer to look for just the perfectly done things, it doesn't work and they need to tell it to look for other things. Yeah. So so they start to, these, this visual salience and the points that your eye is drawn to, they start to feed this into their machine and it comes up with a, just a much wider array of, of, of visual thing, you know, of, of was, different aesthetics, I suppose. You yeah. know, if I, if I was programming this machine, what I would do is I would program all of the traditional cultural uh, frameworks of beauty mm. for all ma- like for for all cultures and like you, you know whether it's the rule of thirds or when we we judge faces based on kind of perfection of balance and all yeah. of the rest of it and then i would put a block on it <laughs> so in other words yeah. select none of these yeah only select things that fall outside of That's, the realm yeah. of cultural beauty 
And I believe in my heart that mm. those images would be the most interesting and the most fascinating and the mm, most mm. engaging. That's that's a really interesting position to take, Jeremiah. I mean, that is it's, it's not quite what the guys at IM have done, um, but they did know they did say specifically that, and and this I think really speaks to the discussion today about whether we whether it's the the technical perfection or the uh, or the aesthetic that, uh, that that should rule. So they they tried uh, they tried initially, like like many others have done, to to train an AI based upon those traditional approaches so you know the rule of thirds or or, or, or as one example um and and other examples uh, other examples as well you know golden ratios all of that sort of stuff and they said that as Ema said they they came up with a collection of, of beautiful but ultimately a bit dull uh mm. you know uh, images and so they went they didn't quite go as drastically as you jeremiah and say throw all that away and don't return <laughs> yeah. it i mean that's just kind of invert selection so isn't it? it's mm-hmm. like no yeah just but get randomly rid- interesting because there are no limits unless you fall into the pre-established what is supposed to be beautiful yeah exactly and and, and, and we could we could talk about like kind of technical perfection and aesthetic perfection but it does remind me, coming from where I do in the film business, and I think I've mentioned this on the Discord a bit, but for uh, the last, say, 20 years, there have been a tremendous amount of writers um, who never really achieved, for the most part, any success in Hollywood uh, trying to become screenwriters. But they all seem to write these books on how to write a screenplay, uh, how how to kind of draw from Joseph Campbell and 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 kind of create the the Aristotelian themes of dramaturgy and mm. all, all of the rest of this stuff. And there's all these rules of when stories turn and three act structures and five act structures and. And they range uh, all all of them and, and, and influenced a generation or two or three of screenwriters who, and executives who would read a screenplay and go like, oh, but but the, the character has to turn. There must be a call to action. We need a change in the center. <laughs> yeah. And and this was adhered to for the most part in the Hollywood vernacular. And what it created, I think we all know. A sameness to storytelling, a sameness to to the kinds of characters and the mm. the, the yearning, uh, the, the kind of lack of complexity. And that's why in order to entertain, you had to kind of create incredible visual sensibilities, which is, you know, these great effects and these great explosions and cities on fire and and, and production seduction because the stories were lame. So can, and, can and, I can I take a guess right then at, at what period in time all of this were, was going badly wrong? Because you know my my personal view, possibly ill informed, but personal view is that to, to from the mid eighties onwards, you know, mainstream cinema took a real nose nosedive, and, and possibly didn't pick up until at least the late nineties um and and you know that's that that for me based upon what you said that would be my guess as to when all of that suddenly started to generate negative results and fell apart dramatically (laughs) 
It did. Uh, I think you're 100% right. And we're only coming out of it now in mm-hmm. terms, because if you look at the big trailers, I'm not talking about independent movies that somehow hobbled together their financing for a sort of a more auteur-esque point of view. But if you if you look at the kind of big kind of DC universe, Marvel universe, those kind of robust big um, action films, and I exclude Star Wars from this because Star Wars came first and did draw from a lot of classic mm. tales, oh, but yeah, did yeah. it in such mm. a fresh way that it was very encompassing. But when everybody started to follow a formula that way, it led down a path of boredom, finally. It, we're coming out of it now, and it's television that's driving us out of it, because television does not wrap up everything in a neat one-and-a-half, two-hour mm. version, but is able to kind of move sideways and laterally and, and, and create complexity for characters. And you have shows that are, say, or stories that are six hours, eight hours, 10 hours, a hundred hours. Mm. And that creates a different dynamic. And so you have uh, a lot of very interesting television on in every genre now globally that has broken away from it. And yet movies still... Uh, still adhere to it because they need to um, attract what they call four quadrant and international audiences, um, and 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 in that way you reduce it to its basic <clears throat> theme. So you know you look at something you go like, yeah, I can watch that with the sound off on an airplane, and it's mildly amusing and yeah, captivating. That sounds me. really sad. That sounds really sad. That's depressing me. Let's let's get let's be happier, right? Because I think there's a happy. No. Happy thing, yeah, about today's Television conversation. Television is happy because they've broken away those rules. Yeah. And, and in in photography, fashion photography, and and I'll, I'll do a, a show on fashion photography since the, I, I come from that world way back when. Mm. There was a, a, a moment in time when fa- the, the aesthetic of fashion photography was very formal, um, and then it evolved into we'll shoot a little on the street. Uh, there are photographers like Munkowski and later on Avedon and, and who, who took it out. But then you had this change. First of all, you had a, 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 a sense of beauty that was very kind of classic, you know, aquiline features and, you know, blue eyes and, you know, the, the, the kind of formal, especially with women, a very specific sense of body type of facial type and that was considered the standard of beauty and fashion Mm. but as we moved towards the late 90s all of a sudden you had the breaking away of rules and you had more androgynous Mm. uh you know women and men coming in the sense of what is beautiful you had what would have been considered ugly Mm. maybe five or six years earlier had a fascination and beauty mm, all of mm. itself. And there was a discovery of that. And that is that is more alive today than ever. So I think we see in the fashion aesthetic something very, very dynamic. And I would apply that to photography uh, itself, where you have people doing, you know, completely out of focus imagery, you know, warts and all mm. glitches, all of that <clears> kind <throat> of stuff. And people embracing it mm. it it is really it is really interesting because i think you know that that is in part was the the topic of of the lecture that spawned this conversation you know the 
the the the guy from Iron was saying, well, you know, that's not about the rule of thirds. It's not about strict ratios mm. and formality of composition. Uh, so how do you train an AI to recognize an aesthetic rather mm. than uh, rather than just a pattern? Um, and I, I don't mm. think it's possible. Well, do you know what? So, so I can tell you what he told us, right? And and mm. which was 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 not particularly deep. It's certainly it's certainly the 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 lecture was nowhere near as deep in in what they do as opposed to what they don't do. But I can yeah, there, there's probably good strong reasons for that. They are a commercial business, and they need to they need to keep their know how to themselves, right? So mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise everybody would be training AIs AIs that way. But what he, what the what the point was was that instead of programming a set of rules in, into the AI and let it look at the pictures and apply the rules and calculate, what mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. they did is they they gave it sets of images and they said, well, these images are good and these images are bad. Right? These images are beautiful. Mm-hmm. These images are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trained it that way, so it was less about traditional. But who techniques. did that? Who but, t- who made the decisions? So I, I think I, uh, I mean, Ema, step in here if I get this wrong, but I, yeah. I think it was that they'd had a they'd had a a fairly diverse group of judges who were providing the views about what was good and what was not. Can you remember any of the detail on that, Ema? I he didn't go into that much detail yeah. on that, if I recall. Um, but um, yeah, they, they, there was um, they also kind of use because they partner up with all these different brands and companies and they would say like this brand has this aesthetic this is what they like this is what they look for so they would use some like the parameters of that brand's aesthetic put those in and try and throw those pictures to the top and he kind of had an example of um the kind of the tight rules um for they were looking for an image for i can't even remember the name of the company it wasn't a company i'm familiar with um and he talked about what their aesthetic was and that they had a look and this is what they like. They like patterns. They like architecture and lines, buildings and all this. And they they chose a selection using the kind of classical rules. And But what they turned up wasn't really pushing the buttons. It wasn't, they didn't want any of that stuff. So they loosened it out and sort of took some of the, I suppose, the looser... I, whoever is the programmer, I guess, is making the decision to say like, oh, well, that company likes uh, X, Y and Z. What's the, I suppose, the tone of it? What's the, what colours do they like? Do you know what, like all that, they like patterns, they like um, light trails, whatever it is, you know, uh, and I suppose they that's the way they feed it in. Um, do you guys based have, on, have, do you guys have television advertising for pharmaceutical companies? <laughs> not really in, not in the UK a little really. bit little bit we so have just we have, colds and flu stuff yeah yes we have yeah. we have a ton yes not for antidepressants and stuff like oh antidepressants over there. that's one thing i mean restless leg syndrome uh you know like things that oh, i wonder if i have that like <laughs> anything you can and and these are you know ask your doctor for now on all of these <laughs> drug ads all of them um, what, what, what they use are, it, it, it took me a long time to figure this out because I would never really pay that much attention, but they are all imagery of like people walking on the beach and older, 
couple like <laughs> dancing around in slow motion or playing with their <laughs> grandchildren or like very generic, happy, you know, moments. And every drug ad has those images, no matter what the company is. Now, uh, you guys have Postmates or, or uh, Uber Eats? Uh, yeah, uh, we, we have food yeah. delivery services here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Postmates is a company like Uber Eats that delivers from restaurants okay. and yeah, has yeah. been growing during the pandemic. Well, the other day uh, I watched a commercial, which is now my favorite commercial, <laughs> and it had all of those stock imagery of people walking down the beach together or, you know what I mean, or playing with their mm. grandchildren or doing those active things. Mm. But the voiceover just said pad thai pad thai pad thai in every different kind of pad thai pad thai when you and at the end it says when you just can't stop thinking of pad thai postmates oh, oh, now I, mm. I i recount this story as a kind of complete flip on generic machine mm, learning mm, mm, uh, mm. aesthetic of which um, riles me up. I mean, I, I, I because imposing uh, an aesthetic, whether it's machine learning or even uh, human, uh, mm. as in fashion, right? In other words, this is beautiful. This is ugly. This is correct. This is not. For me, limits what people who are looking to be influenced Mm. and inspired to look in places mm. that are familiar rather than unfamiliar. Mm. And it's only in our discovery of things that could be familiar, but doing it in an unfamiliar way mm. that create a future mm. of mm. a dynamic um, kind of visual art and others, as we've discussed, sense and mm. and the, any limitation any um any attempt to fix it in a time and place for me is anti-artistic so interesting that's where i stand mm -hmm. on. okay uh, that's good that's good stuff because i think yeah this 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 is a positive thing so yeah I, I put i throw aside my dystopian persona for today the uh because one of the questions that came up in 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 the the lecture video that that inspired this this conversation uh was well what happens when the ais get to the point where they can generate the image what happens in this in our vernacular to the future of photography when all of those people that need imagery don't need photographers mm. to make it for them because they say, well, I want a picture of, you know, uh, well, to use your examples there, Jeremiah, if you've got a pharmaceuticals ad to, you know, to make, I want, I, I want a bunch of shots of generic people of a certain age walking happily hand in hand along a beach at sunset. You don't actually mm. even need stock footage. Your AI, your AI can just generate it for you. And, mm. and that is, yeah, that was one of the questions that came up and, and clearly, you know those things. If they can be imagined, they can be built, right? So, mm. so let's let's not kid ourselves that that's never going to happen. It might take longer, it might take mm. shorter, but it'll it'll be there at some point. And so, what I'm ta I'm taking some comfort from this conversation we're having right now, because 
those you know the ai can only ever follow can't it it can only ever learn what other what what real people have thought of as aesthetically pleasing um it may be able to generate images based upon those patterns that it's been taught but it has no has no sense of self uh, at least not yet anyway in the book the age of spiritual machines um you know, there is a point where all information in the world, every book has been read by a computer, mm. every sense of history has been absorbed, every news feed, every visual mm. is mm. all there. And it's processing these images at a faster pace than our human brain can. And at brain. that point, mm. they feel they'll achieve mm. a machine consciousness, whatever that would be. I don't I, I heard an interview with an artist, young artist, programmer, and, and this, this is completely kind of an inversion of what we've been talking about. But his métier is programming computers to generate art. But, so he will feed in, say, you know, hundreds of classical portraits right, of, that have been painted, say, over mm -hmm. the last two or 300 years. Uh, and then he will he will uh, write code to generate a portrait, <clears throat> and what comes out of it is so fascinating mm. and so amazing. And one couldn't say, "Oh, that's aesthetically good, bad, or indifferent," but it is something we've never seen before, mm. and is very provocative and very interesting. So it uses history as artists do. Mm to draw from but it also uses machine learning coding and, and adjustment to create something that can be painted mm. uh, that is now where does the programmer's mind the consciousness of the ai and the history of what's ingested come together to create something original. And I, I believe that that could be a very interesting thing, but the human touch, whether it's in coding or in the history, is all there. Mm. And so it's never the machine itself that will be working exclusively, and not, not yet anyway. Not yet, yeah. In other mm. words, it will <clears throat> always need probably two thirds of humanity and one third of AI to generate mm. anything. And if the, if the human aspect is, is dumping in generics out will come generics. But if there is a certain amount of serendipity into the programming to allow surprises, which is always the energy that drives uh, art and aesthetic and storytelling, etc that's exciting then you can use that combination of ai to to create something new mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting and those proportions i guess will change over time as well won't they because uh, as things become more capable but it it it, it is difficult i mean one, one of the great things is of course that the, the human creativity can go in all sorts of different directions so so uh you know and some sometimes it's applied directly now i, I think uh my wife showed me a, a Facebook post a couple of days ago. Uh, the the musician Ed Sheeran. Ho hopefully, most of our listeners will have heard of Ed Sheeran. 
uh, he um, he has done a painting, uh, a, a sort of splash painting um, in a oh, what's the style? A Jackson Pollock t- kind of style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, I first said it and I, I, I confess I had a negative thought. I thought, oh, OK, here's here's somebody doing, you know, ca- cashing in on his Because yeah, he sold it for <sighs> quite a lot of money, you know, like 40,000 <sighs> pounds or something like that. I thought, OK. And then actually I should I should have held my judgment. Um, I was he poor, gave it to charity. Did he, he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, it was all done to raise money for charity. <laughs> he's a lovely boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like it anyway. God, yeah. I think, so, so, yeah, I think there's... Um, uh, that, that re- <laughs> Adrian, no, no. before I forget, yeah. this morning I saw a cartoon of two women, right? Two women standing in front of a Jackson Pollock style painting. One of them was holding the hand of their kid. The caption was, My kid could do that. <laughs> but the kid was turned sideways and was smoking a cigarette and looked like Jackson Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. See, now you've oh, made me sad. forget the point. That's a good story, but you've made me completely forget the point I was trying to make. <laughs> ah, well, there was, I'm sure there was a point in there somewhere. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I think one of the motivations for the, the IM people was the whole stock thing and um, that, like, instead of running around trying to take this picture that, um, you know, you had seen, you know, a picture of man with dog walking on the beach that you were running off and that's all you were interested in doing um, just to try and get pennies for, you know, your stock imagery that you're trying to sell, um, <clears throat> that they... They wanted people to be able to just go shoot your pictures, take your photos. Um, and then they they have this system that's called like missions. So you submit pictures uh, that are, you know, certain criteria that they want and you can get selected that way. But that every image that they do sell, I, they don't sell anything for less than like $20. So and it's 50 50. So like the photographer will get at least $10 for their one image instead of like. 50 cents or whatever it is that the bigger players kind of take out of it. Do you think, Emer, that if we gave our listeners a challenge and ourselves Mm -hmm. to shoot a generic bland picture that you Bland picture. Gotcha. (laughs) Sure sure we could. I'm pretty sure I could manage that, yeah. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have that that proper aesthetic that it would be supposed to have as a way, technically I, perfect I mean, picture. I, I, but. I, I mean, you know what it is. I mean, you could get a mm. middle-aged couple walking on the beach with the light mm. kind of low and mm. the dog mm. running in front mm. and take it in not exactly perfect backlight, but sort mm. of okay. And it would be accessible, mm. but... You know, it would be a very funny art show to ask really high-end, aesthetically pushed artists <laughs> <laughs> to create super bland, generic bland. imagery. Uh, be, it'd be interesting. It. it kind kind of reminds me of a story. Uh, there was a couple of years ago. There was a movie that Vince Vaughn was in, uh, and uh, I, they one of the marketing things that they did. Uh, I think it was a it, it was a, a movie that involved some aspect of office or professional life or something like that. And they did a whole bunch of stock photos, you know, the happy people around a boardroom table, that kind of thing. <laughs> and they did that, but with all the cast of the movie. So there was all these Hollywood 
you know recognizable people all posing in these you know, stock photos that you'd expect yeah. to get for for corporate reports and things like that that, that was mm-hmm. funny but then again you couldn't you couldn't get an ai to do that at the moment either could you you couldn't you know you couldn't um they, they wouldn't imagine ide- creative ideas like that i am determined to stay uh, i'm determined to stay positive today i i like the idea of this <laughs> this idea of being able mm-hmm. to train ais on on a, on real aesthetics somehow uh, however the secret sources that they use at im um is it worth just we've got a few minutes left uh, uh, before we we outstay mm. our welcome with our listeners um is it is it worth just a quick uh th- mention of uh the the im app that yeah uh, i think it's called the role or something the like role that. yeah mm. that's super interesting but of course unavailable in in my app store so i can't even t- try it i haven't but, um, checked here yet but, but tell, yeah, tell us about it, it Ema, yeah what it appears to do is like categorize your your camera roll into and it, it can kind of it, it'll pull all your cloud pictures like you like adrian you would love it like the way you like to tag say your images into and you, you talked about that one time how if you can search for faces and things it's like a step deeper again where it can like say these are really good pictures and it'll put them together in a group. These are your best. Um, these ones would be good for this. These ones would be good for that. These are crap. These, you know, and, and groups them. And, and a w- one of the women in the audience asked the question afterwards. Um, she was like, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it kind of keeps my ego in check because I don't agree with the ones that it like it <laughs> says aren't that good. And she's like, I don't, uh, you know. <laughs> But it's good for my ego. And he kind of challenged her back and said, well, how do you know it's right and you're wrong? Like, why do you just believe the machine? Yeah, yeah. That it's, you know, why why is its criteria right? It's only, it only knows what we've taught it. So so I'm definitely like, going to try and get a co- hold of this app um, uh, and uh, and see if I can have a play with it. I mean, Jeremiah, you might, it seems to be available yeah, in I'd the really States. Yeah, I'd really like to try it. So, so you might be able me, to try Because uh, one of the other things that it does, it, uh, as, as well as making aesthetic judgments on mm. your, on your photos is that it processes them uh, and adds all of the relevant keywords automatically it read it essentially has some capability to read the photo and in in milliseconds the guy said it will assign it will assign keywords but not just you know boy or football or, or whatever it would it would say you know um people having a good time you know it's just like getting away from it all and it it would create yeah. these like keywords it's crazy. the Before actual i am allow- app itself when you upload your picture to because i i kind of opened a new account on it yesterday went in to check it out a bit and uploaded a couple of pictures and really impressively it 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 throws a ton of tags onto it like really good tags that um like it would it would take oh, you a few minutes to you know, uh, uh, so um, Jeremiah relevant tags. So it's obviously looking at exactly what's in the picture, and uh, I, I find that that is a little frightening to to allow an AI into my photo library, which is vast, assign <laughs> and infiltrate. Would I ever be able to get rid of it and all of that information? Mm. How much of it implants? in my computer, in the images, how much is in the XML and what kind of invasiveness and what kind of, are they taking those tags and moving them up to the cloud and going, if you want a great picture of an Irish river and forest, 
here's your lady. She's got them. I know. And uh, Emer's going to get an email going, hey, we're going to give you 20 cents for your pictures. In fact, they're already up on our website. Do you approve? We'll put money in your So your this, is, this is interesting. Like, so, I, I'm not that keen on knowing. I mean, it sounds really good, but... Hmm. Uh, it, it, we're, we're I, I'm you, we're assuming the dystopian so We're starting off shoot <laughs> podcast called the old school thinking of photography. Because, the, the, <laughs> but I think if you were in the market for it, like trying to sell your images on a small scale, you know, yeah. um, different story, different, different story. Yeah. I think, and and that, and they, and to be fair, Jeremiah, I don't think you're the target market for this service because they did say it's about it's about allowing amateurs to get visibility. It's about allowing yeah. people to get started. It's they they try and protect just just for you know, uh, a small correction. It's not twenty cents. It's a minimum twenty dollars. I think so. So mm. you know, it, they they are trying to protect the commercial side of it as well to a point as far as they can without pricing themselves out the market. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I think that I I think with a limited basket for very specific people, uh, you know, and you go and you shoot sunsets like all day long, and then like yeah. there you go. There's always something yeah. That's it's buy interesting. Up, I need so. to know whether it's doing this on the phone, uh, you know, uh, or, or whether it's sending the information up to the cloud because it's yeah because that makes a difference to the way people perceive these things as well. If it, if it it's does, happening locally, yeah. but it's often perceived as less scary, isn't it? So so I think there's there's interesting you know, you know there's 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 the whole AI thing. There's the whole how do you train your AI, and then there's the question of do you do you dare let the AI loose on your image collection? <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Mm. <laughs> okay wow. well there we go I, I still think all of this is good as i said i'm going to stay positive this week this is a good thing about the future of photography um you know uh, uh and, and also has the the po- probability or possibility to go wildly out of control but we'll, we'll cover that in another show <laughs> uh, we should probably move on to the picks of the week here um uh and uh, because i've been enjoying this conversation so much and because i was poorly prepared for this show i still have no pick of the week so i'm not going first <laughs> Um, so, uh, Jeremiah, what's your pick of the week? Uh, I have uh, a, a ridiculous pick of the week. Um, and uh, it, it, it is basically a, I call it a, a, a mashup. I'm trying to find it now. Oh, God. Um, oh, my God. Maybe you can, maybe you can look at it. <laughs> Hold oh, my on. God. Uh, how, how would you describe it? it, it, it how it's, would I describe um, it? Oh, my God. It's appropriated image generic images really right it's talk about generic images so we're talking about appropriated (laughs) cultural images onto which have been applied pop culture sensibilities whether it's star wars or spongebob integrated with those and and it is a um how would ai interpret those images i think it might be a bit confused would it yeah yeah, where would it Because it adheres this? to nothing. No. <laughs> speechless. Uh, oh yeah, my we're God. all Look speechless on it because I, I, oh, I just encourage they're horrific. the listeners to, <laughs> the to look them up because they There are will be a link a, in the show notes, folks. <laughs> there will be a link. And oh it is a God. painter who has um, integrated uh, several things that really have should never be integrated. Is he selling yet, these? Like, just do people buy these? I don't know. I don't think <laughs> so, so. Not yet. But like, they will now. <laughs> my God, they're so ugly. 
Yes. Uh, is, so it, is, is, is it the so equiv- is it the equivalent of the kid that lives next door in Toy Story? Is that is that, is that what we've got? <laughs> Who builds all the toys out oh mishmash of pieces? Okay, all Gross. right. Um, I'd say so, so in, in that interim, in that interim, actually, I have I have thought of a, a pick of the week. Um, I'm going to go with my pick of the week this week is the anticipation uh, moment when after you've ordered a new camera, but before you've received it. <laughs> <laughs> that, excited much that's my pick of the week this week uh, it's a good one it, mm. i'm in that space right now are you oh okay so well well what have, what have you ordered then on friday i am getting my iphone 12 oh are you okay interesting <laughs> interesting and is that a, what 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 phone did you have before that is that a big upgrade no i have the 11 Ah, okay. which i'm trading i'm just trading up yeah. you're trading mm. in i have one of those apple that i can i just swap oh you get one. to get all the new ones all ah, right yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so Good. so mine's which a bit I, sorry go on no i'm i'm i don't really need it but i don't need it at all to be very fair <laughs> but the lidar uh and and 3d printing of which we have been somewhat discussing on uh discord uh it interests me the uh it, the zoom function which is a little bit longer um the quality obviously is interesting to me and 5g is also even though it's not prime time here that's going to help too so mm, yeah um, interesting so i'm wait. excited yeah, well, you, you and me both. So, yes, my my expected new camera is is a new iPhone. In my case, it's a step up from an iPhone 6S. So I've got five years of catching up to do at this point. So that's good. And uh, for the first time ever, I ordered the big one. So I've 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 got the uh, the the biggest iPhone ever made coming my way uh, at some the point. Pro Max. That, yeah, the Pro Max. Yes, is, is coming. Which on which there. one? Uh, I think there's only... sorry you dropped off there and I oh sorry it's the it's the iPhone Pro Max uh, the, the eleven the, the big one twelve oh twelve yeah. yes so it's, it's right. the brand That's new right. it's the brand yeah. new one biggest 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 iPhone ever made I'm told so wow. uh, but if if there's ever a time to not have to worry about putting your phone in your pocket it's the time when you're not allowed to leave the house isn't it yeah so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so i thought i'd get i thought i'd try something different for a change i'm looking forward to having a telephoto lens on my phone uh, actually just having any le- extra lens on my mm. phone mm. i'm looking forward to playing with the lidar and the 3 3d scanning and night mode and all of those things so mm-hmm. definite definitely uh, a big upgrade for me definitely a lot of anticipation here uh so that that's that and it's the anticipation it's not the phone that is my pick of the week i've never had never handled it it is the anticipation that is my pick of the week uh, which leads <laughs> I, us I with just one that. yeah <laughs> so Ema, what's your pick of the week my pick of the week is kind of loosely related to what we're talking about so it's about visual salience again and um it's a project that they did in the van gogh museum where they got like adults and children to walk around wearing these kind of Google glassy looking things that um, tracked where their eyes rested on the pictures, how they mm-hmm. traveled through the pictures, whether um, that they would look at it differently if they had no knowledge about the paintings or how, you know, the motivations are, you know, That's and all that. So they ch- did it both ways. So um, it's a really short clip of just how the whole thing worked and um, 
Definitely all that stuff deserves a little bit of further investigation, I think. I would love to see the difference between how an experienced person who has been educated in fine art, uh, how how they view an image differently to uh, uh, somebody like me who has no art education at all, or even a a child and people from different cultures as well. That would be super interesting. Yeah. What one of the things they came up with at the end or like that they found was that the children um, kind of the salience points like that you would expect the eye to track to. That's what the children were looking at first. But that um, the adults were like kind of studying with intention at times, I suppose, you know, the, the paint strokes and things like that. So um they did get a lot of learning out of it and it wasn't overly controlled. I mean, the museum was full. It was um there was lots of stuff going on and it was um they kept sort of um stopping to check that the thing hadn't um you know didn't need to be recalibrated all the time so they knew they were sort of that it was following the tracker properly and it was just really interesting to see um what parts the 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 eye would you know gravitate that's, to um yeah that's different really objects or yeah was that the Van Gogh museum in, museum in Amsterdam yeah, in Amsterdam, that big, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a fantastic so, place like, I is. think what part of their and it's interesting for me just working in, in a kind of a gallery as well is that part of what they wanted to learn was how they could um you know better understand the their patrons or you know the people mm-hmm. who viewed their art and like how do we kind of how do we pitch ourselves at children as opposed to what can we do with the education programs, stuff like that. So there's a whole wide range of... Um, I have the answer really to that, by the way. Just put Muppets heads on everything. I remember... <laughs> so so I remember that there's a very famous picture and I can never remember who painted it, but it's called Washington Crossing the Delaware. It's, and and yeah. it's huge. It's, 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 it's the size of you know, the old masters, although, of course, it's, it's newer than uh, many of those. And uh, I remember seeing it. I guess it must have been in New York. I don't know where it lives. It must be in. I think it's at um, the um, Metropolitan. I want to think. Yeah, something like that. I think it would have been New York. And I remember, I remember walking into the room, and it, 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 where it was at the time, a few years back, it dominated the room. It it Mm. is an enormous piece. Uh, and I looked at it and thought, I know that image. I know that image. Where do I know that image? And I couldn't for the life of me. Oh, Liberty, it. was it? Uh, I, I, that you're thinking of? I, uh, no, it's it, so. So uh, I think it's I think it's called Washington Crossing the Delaware. Uh, maybe yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, yeah. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Lutz. All ah, right. Okay. Thank you. And the reason I recognised it, but and couldn't it's quite. The it's at the Met. It's at the Met. So the reason I recognised it, but couldn't quite place it, is I'd only ever seen it. On the Muppet Show, <laughs> ah. they they did a they did a song, yeah. uh, you know that you know the uh. Muppet Show was always always about sketches of this that and the other, and there was a, there was there was a Muppet Show sketch where I must have seen when I was younger than ten years old, I suspect, so a very long time ago, uh, and they'd done this song and they were all in the boat, right? So they they were all in the boat, <laughs> po- posed in the way that you might expect. And that, and that was why I didn't. And that so so that that's my recommendation to the Van Gogh Museum. <laughs> Get some Muppets in. Get some Muppets in. <laughs> A good okay. way to put it in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. On that note. On that note. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, 
we have been the future of photography uh please come and join us in our discord um uh there's a link in the show notes um it, the, the chat in the discord is great um you know we have a lot of free form stuff going on we have people raising all sorts of topics you know we have uh you know uh, a place where we can talk about photography in general a place where you can share your images and we can talk about them you know all, all, all good stuff and it's really nice to be able to get to know you all a bit better um, so please come and join us uh, in the Discord, as I say, link, link in the show notes. Um, and with that, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye now. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. <laughs>